story of God giving a nation uh, the land of their inheritance. And so we've been going through this book of Joshua, and if you'll remember, the people have been commanded to go through the River Jordan during the flood stage, and God has miraculously parted the waters, and now they have come out on the other side. And God tells them to do something very, very strange. We're going to try to figure out why. So hear this text, Joshua 4, 1 through 24. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe of man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lost, and they laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priests passed before the people, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their father in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. <coughs> Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, you may fear the Lord your God forever. The word of the Lord. Well, it's a dark day in the house of Rodriguez. Painful time for myself. I'm almost a little bit sad. I, if I break out in weeping, I ask your forgiveness. Because there has been a... I don't want to use the word death. I'd rather use the word... Well, let's use the word death. My dishwasher died 
a couple of days ago. This is me lamenting my dear friend, the GE dishwasher. We were the best of friends, uh, him and I, her and I. What do you call a dishwasher? You wouldn't call it her. Very dangerous, very dangerous. Him and I, okay? Now, he, as far as I can tell, when I bought the house, I got the dishwasher. So I was asking the guy, how old is the dishwasher? He thinks the dishwasher is about nine years old. I think that's a little bit short for a dishwasher to go. What do you think? Yes. Huh? Yes. Anybody still have like a Maytag from like 30 years ago? Any of those still left? No. You know, they don't make them the way they used to. I do see one hand in the back. You know, you can lift these things now just you. They're like all plastic. You know, back in the day, when you bought a dishwasher, that thing was here to stay. Heck, you might be buried in your dishwasher because it was such great quality. Not my dishwasher. It's gone. Now, we got one of the new dishwashers, okay? The stainless steel ones where you can't see the controls. Who came up with that idea, right? I'm like, well, how do we know it's running? Well, we're not sure. So we're like listening. <laughs> Is it quiet? Is it not quiet? You gotta open the thing to see the controls on the top. The price of fashion in the house of Rodriguez, you know? I had a death in the family again, an appliance death several months ago. An, uh, an appliance near and dear, my alarm clock from college died. 1989, 25 years ago, the thing functioned like clockwork. In fact, it functioned very poorly in college because sometimes it just never woke me up. But it always managed to through my work life, but it finally broke as well. 25 years, I think that's a little bit short for an alarm clock, okay? I'm just saying. But there is issues, there is still faithfulness out there. Somebody help me to work this darn remote. Come up here for the love. Get me back to my screen. Wow, this is gonna shake me. Uh, a lesser preacher would will right here, but not me. <laughs> because I wanna show you a picture of faithfulness. It's a picture of Mr. Alan Swift, who received his car in 1928. A Rolls Royce Piccadilly, yes. Okay, what, what, when does the bomb go off? Don't touch that one. Okay. Alan Swift got this car, 1928, Rolls-Royce Piccadilly One Roadster, graduation gift for college, drove it until his death last year at the age of 102. Wow. Oldest living owner of a car just thought he donated to the Springfield Museum. Indeed, he even gave a donation of a million dollars to the Springfield Museum to have a place for his Piccadilly P1 Roadster it still runs like a Swiss watch, dead silent at any speed, and is in perfect cosmetic condition. 82 years, a man who truly loves his car. Faithful things are hard to find, things that will last, aren't they? You hold on to them, and you treasure them, those things that are well built. In fact, the more confidence you have in your stuff, the more confidence you have in your willingness to use it, right? You know, if you have confidence that this thing's going to hold up for you, you're going to go out and use it. I guess Alan Swift, after 85 years, had confidence in his Piccadilly P1 Roadster. It's the same thing with relationships, isn't it? Relationships, to stand the test of time, to manage to get through all the challenges and the turns and the difficulties and to come out on the other side, 
You know, I've seen some couples who are older like that, which is just like his man and his roadster. There's just a beautiful relationship there, a husband and a wife. I'm celebrating 20 years with my lovely wife uh, in a couple months. And let me tell you what, it has been the best 20 years of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would not be here today if it was not for that woman. There's something about relationships that stand the test of time. A faithfulness, a relationship of faithfulness is built. You know after 20 years, when you've weathered stuff, that you can weather more stuff. In fact, the foundation of liberty is security. What can I stand upon that can give me the strength to go even further, to last even longer? These are the questions we have to ask with the number one relationship of all, our relationship with God. Because as we know, the older you get, the longer you realize that life is fragile. It's hard to live with security, liberty if there is no security. So what kind of relationship can I have with God? Am I able to have a fearless relationship in the world because I have such confidence in the God who's been with me through thick and thin years and years? That's the question that the Israelites are faced with, isn't it? They stand on the brinks of the Jordan, going into a land, facing a people greater than they've ever been, stronger than they've ever been, and they're asking the question, can we trust the promises of God? Can you and I trust the promises of God? Surely there are cities to take in your own life, steps of faith that you must take even today, tomorrow, living with courage and relationships, Decisions and who you are going to be as a man, as a woman, as a couple, as a young man, as a boy, as a girl. How can we live with confidence? The answer is we can live in security with God because God has proven it by His history. The God who gives us the promises for us to follow today has proven it. That they can be followed by how He has lived and shown His faithfulness to people like you and me in days gone by. God has built a history with His people, a history that has continued. And as He has done with them, so He will build, do with us. And so the call to the Israelites in the setting up of this memorial is the call to us. Remember what I have done for you. Remember what I am doing for you. And take confidence in what I will do. Much of our life, my friends, must be lived with one eye looking back, so one eye can be looking forward. Because we will not forget what, what um, God has done, because He will not forget what He will do. We will not forget what God has done, because He will not forget what He is doing, what He will do. And so I want to suggest to you three things. Number one, the foundation of your life upon which you can stand is the finished work of Christ. You want to grow high, you need a good foundation. The foundation of your faith is the finished work of Christ. Number two, the power for your present life is the faithful promises of God. And then finally, the number three, the focus of your future, is the faithful promises of God. We will not forget what He has done, because He will not forget what He will do. Let's look at these points. Number one, the foundation of your life is the finished work of Christ. The Israelites here in this passage, they have passed over, and God gives them a command. Look at verse 3. And God commands them, saying, Take twenty stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you will lodge tonight. 
Verse 6, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Now we have some experience with monuments and memorials, living two and a half hours or six hours on a Friday from Washington, D.C. You go into town and we're surrounded by memorials, the World War II Memorial, erected for help us to remember what happened then, what was accomplished, what was sacrificed. The Vietnam Veterans Memorial that we talked about, the Jefferson Memorial, and even the Washington Monument. You know the Washington Monument was for? It's for George Washington. It's a symbol to, uh, to uh, commemorate the life of a man who did so much for our country. We understand memorials. And so God here is saying to erect a memorial that will last forever. See, we need something solid, don't we? To remember what has happened so we can move forward. God is saying to the Israelites that there will come a time when generations will forget what has happened in the past. And they will need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. This isn't going to happen every day. I'm not going to part the sea. In fact, for much of your life, your life is going to be lived on the promises of God living by faith. And so God says to put together this memorial. Well, what's it to be built out of? It's to be built out of stone. Because stone will last forever. You notice all the great memorials are all built out of stone. Because they'll last forever. And I want you to take 12 stones. But why 12? It's the number of, Israel, of the tribes of Israel. In fact, each tribe is supposed to go to the bottom of the uh, of the sea, the, the Jordan, the sea, the Jordan Sea, the Jordan, Jordan River. Thank you. Grab a stone and bring it. <laughs> this is a corporate memorial for the entire people to remember what God has done. It's for all of you. And God says to take these stones and to take them from the middle of the river. Now, why did God say to do that? I mean, why not just do it on the side? Everyone's standing there. They all remember what happened, right? You can just build it. Now, he says, go to the middle of the river, and I want you to grab the stones from there. Now, do you think stones in the middle of the river look different than stones that are on the side of the river? I think they do. If I, ever I see river stone, it's been worn. It's been, it looks different. See, the reason why God has told them to grab these stones from the middle of the river, from the depths of the river, and to bring it out, is because you can't go there again. The water will be covered. No one will be able to go back and visit what occurred. I was in Roanoke uh, a couple of, uh, probably about a month and a half ago, we went to a museum, and we're walking in through the, you know, they've got this geology exhibit, and there is a moon rock cover. You ever see that, you know, a moon rock? You always wonder, is that really a moon? Somebody just pick this thing up on the side of the road. But no, they can geologically test it and show that this thing did not come from planet Earth. See, we can't go back to the moon, can we? But we can see something that is a memorial, a monument that something occurred. That the God of Israel did something miraculous. That he parted the waters of a, of a river at flood stage so you could move from here to here. From the promises of God to the reality of the land that God has called you to. He's called them to bring the stones from the bottom because something happened at the bottom of that riverbed. That the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the symbol of the presence of God Himself, God who dwelt with His people, the Israelites, went before them and went to the bottom of the depths of the river and stood there. 
and made a way for the people to come from one side to the other. The God of Israel went before the people and he stayed there so the people could come from one side to the other. The memorial is that God has stood in the gap, bringing you from one side to the other, and these stones, they're functioning as eyewitnesses. They're the videotape that is being played to remember. These stones show that God went before you, he stayed behind, and then he went before you again. See, these stones are so much more than just stones, they're representing the story of what God is doing with the people. Think of what they mean. The Israelites, when God called them, where did he call them from? Egypt, a land of slavery, a land of darkness, as they said. And God has moved them out of captivity and is moving them into a land of freedom, from darkness to light, from captivity to freedom, from judgment to freedom. These stones represent the foundation of a God who is giving you a new place upon which to stand upon himself. The stones show what God has done. The stones cry out that God is faithful. I want to suggest to you that in this pile of stones, there is an even deeper story. Because this pile of stones, this memorial, is the picture of the gospel itself. This God who has said to the Israelites, I'm going to take you from Egypt and I'm going to move you to Canaan, has said to each one of us, I'm going to take you from the depths of sin, from death that is judgment that is upon you, and I'm going to bring you to life. As God has said to Israel, I'm going to take you from Pharaoh and I'm going to give you freedom. Christ has said, I'm going to take you from Satan and I'm going to give you myself. As the Israelites went through the water, from death to life. So we have gone from the tomb to resurrection. Christ has given us a new sentence, not death, but life. He's given us a new Savior. Who is qualified to pass through the depths of the water? But when you go through the depths of the water, I will be with you. Surely they will not overcome you, the flood. I will be with you. The stones represent the God who went down to the depths of the earth and stood in the way of death that we might come from death to life. The one who stays behind for us, Jesus Christ. Whenever they set up monuments in the Old Testament, they used stones. But whenever they set up graves, they used stones as well. A marking of one who has died. See, they have 12 stones, but we have something even richer. We have the cross. A memorial of God who took a people to himself and said, I will lead you from death to life. I will go before you and I will bring you on one side and I will take you out the other. I have a necklace that I wear. It's my memorial. I tried carrying 12 stones. It, it just didn't work out. It's kind of heavy. I put one in one pocket and two pocket. And I think it was just all wrong. What is this a symbol of? a memorial of something that God has done for you and me. It's the God who went before us down into the waters of judgment and enabled us to come out on the other side. It's an interesting symbol, isn't it? You know how they used to kill people in the Old Testament? They stoned them. You know how they used to kill people in the Roman Empire? The worst of the worst, they crucified them. It's a symbol of torture. 
Like if you were to wear something like this for right now for someone, you'd wear a little electric chair around your neck. Because that's what it is. This memorial that God has commanded to be set up for the Israelites foreshadows this memorial for us. A God who loved us so much that he was not willing for us to be left in captivity. But it's come. He's saved us. He's given us a new life in himself. See, the foundation of our faith is the faith and finished work of Christ. And so we will not forget what he has done because God has not forgiven, forgotten what he will do. That's the foundation. It's been done. It's good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin for us to be sin for us so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. If you are a Christian, my friends, you are on the other side of the Jordan. And you're never going back. See, we must understand this. Most of the problems in our life deal with this. That we fail to believe the gospel. We believe we're on the wrong side of the Jordan. Maybe you came in today on the wrong side of the Jordan trying to figure out how am I going to get across this thing with God? What sort of game am I going to have to play? What kind of promises am I going to have to make to God that I'm going to break? What kind of act am I going to have together? Have to have together? We intuitively understand that we're not righteous. We have no right to enter a promised land. We have no right to escape slavery, to sin. And so we try and we fail. Much of your life may be typified as that of a struggling Christian. Trying to swim with a bunch of rocks in your pocket. And much of your life and mine could be typified sometimes as that of a drowning Christian. Now you may be on the other side of the Jordan. You may realize that God has rescued me. But you feel the forces of this land continuing trying to push you back into the water. See, that's Satan's role, isn't it? No, you haven't come out the other side. Back where you belong. Back to the bottom where you come from. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Take the stones from here and put them here where you are to camp. They are to be a memorial between you and me forever. And so every morning, every day, every hour, every minute, we must start our life at the cross. When we are defeated, living defeated lives, we look to Jesus Christ crucified. When we see all of our faults and all the things that the mirror can't hide, we must look to Jesus when we're pushed back by the world and we're not good enough or smart enough or rich enough or pretty enough or cool enough or connected enough, we must remember that the God of the universe laid out his life for you and for me. And he says, trust me. I brought you from death to life for I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so my appeal for you, brothers and sisters, is to not forget what he has done, because he will not forget what he will do. He is the foundation of our faith, the finished work of Christ. But the scripture path continues on. This brings me to my second point, that the power for the Israelites present and the power for ours is the promises of God. The purpose of any foundation is to build upon it. I don't know if you saw this ad. I, I was interested myself in purchasing it. It's actually from uh, NASA. NASA is selling uh, three of their 4,100-ton space shuttle launch platforms. 
Not free shipping. No, no, you must collect. Basically, since they're not flying shuttles anymore, they built these things in the 1960s and 70s when they were launching the Saturn rockets, and they retrofitted them. And so they're these massive platforms. They're 25 feet high, 160 feet long, 135 feet wide, and they have these like 300-foot scaffolding up for this platform. And I don't know if you remember back in the day, or even they used to do it, where you know they they get the shuttle or they they get the rocket on it, and the march would begin. And this thing moved like an eighth of a mile, like an hour or something like that. I mean, it's just like you know, it's the Jawa spacecraft type thing, or whatever. It's moving slow. It's going to take days to get to the platform. Why is this thing so heavy? Why is it taking so long? Because you need a foundation if you're going to go up high, right? That's what's going on. Christ is building a foundation for his people. Because though he has moved them from captivity to liberation, there is still a land to be taken. If you look at Joshua 4.19, the people came out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. This day is exactly 40 years, the tenth day of the first month, from when they celebrated the Passover. Exodus 12, 3, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. What God has promised in the Passover, that night that I will liberate you, God has completed. But, God now says that in, in going from the beginning to the end, the end becomes the beginning. There is a new chapter. There is a new challenge. Possess the land, Israel. Experience the blessings. I will surely give you rest. No one will be able to stand before you. Trust in me. Well, I don't know about you, but if I was encamped in this place and Jericho was over there, this heavily armed city, I would maybe be saying in some sense, what's the deal, God? This doesn't sound like a city. Shouldn't we be in a palace by now? We have to go fight these guys. Yeah, yeah, I know that you said you were going to take them out. It wasn't going to be an issue. In fact, you're not even going to have to fight them. You just walk around the thing. But even so, this doesn't look like rest. This is something I have discovered. This is something what the Bible says. That rest is not found in the absence of conflict. You will not find peace on this earth when you don't have problems. Rest is found in choosing to live in the present, in the faithful promises of God. Much of your life and my life works something like this. Once I get through this problem, then I'm going to experience the, the rest. Then I'm going to experience the blessings of God. Guess what? When you get there, there will be another challenge. And there will be another problem and another difficulty, all the way until heaven comes. Rest is not found in the absence of conflict. What this memorial is saying is, as I have done this for you here, then I will do it for you here now, today, tomorrow, and the day after. How can we live in this rest, in the present? This occurred in the past. There are two reasons why we can do this, my friends. Because if Christianity doesn't affect the way that we live now, let's go someplace else. And try something else. The God we follow is the God who was, and the God who is, and the God who is to come. The two reasons we can trust 
And the power of the presence, trusting in God, is this, that we have His promise and we have Himself. Lord, we have Jesus. Joshua 4, 9, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, and in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now, I don't know about you, but as you're reading this passage, it's, it's like he's going forward and going backward in time. It's like he's saying the same thing from different perspectives. And in this, we understand that before the priests grabbed the stones and took them on to the other side of the Jordan, it was Joshua that went down and built the first stone altar himself. Joshua was the one to find the stones in the beginning and to build the altar. See, we have a God who is alive. We don't worship a memorial. We worship a living person. Joshua 4.14, On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. See, the story of Joshua, we have a picture of a prophet, one who speaks for God. We have a picture of the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. We even have a picture of priests holding the Ark, those who stand between God and the wrath of God and His people. But in the New Testament, we don't need an Ark of the Covenant. And we don't need prophets. And we don't need a priest. And we don't need a king. Because all of those offices come into one person, the person of Jesus Christ. Our monument is a living monument. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. See, Joshua goes down, builds the altar, and then he goes ahead. And when they get to the other side, there are the stones, and there is Joshua. And the ark goes ahead. See, they all retain their place in front of the people of God. I need someone to follow, and so do you. We need more than stones. We need more than religion. We need a living God, one who is with us. Hebrews 11.6, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 2 Corinthians 4.7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not persecuted. Uh, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his, may, so that his life may be revealed in our moral body. Where is our monument? It's right here. It's the Lord who goes ahead of us. We get a living God. We don't look back at a pile of stones. We look at present to the God who dwells with us, inside us. We have more than simply a memorial. We have a living God. And we have His promises. Genesis 12. Remember the Israelites. All they had was a promise. Genesis 12. Abraham, the founder of, of uh, the Hebrew nation, God said, go from this country 600 years before and go and I will go to a land that I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands 
the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations of the earth will be blessed. The story of God's promises, his oath to the Israelite people, is the oath that God gives to his people, the church. In Hebrews, the apostle Paul makes this same connection, where he says that this God who made this promise to Abraham, because there was no one else to swear by. You know when you swear, ever gone to a courtroom, I swear, what, on the Holy Bible? I swear by somebody greater than myself. There was no one else greater for God to swear by, so he swore by himself. That he said, I will surely bless you and give you many, many descendants. And so because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, he confirmed it with an oath. And you and I have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who himself went before us and entered on our behalf. See, we have Christ, but how can we be confident that he's not going to change his mind? What about the little uh, river or stream that you have tomorrow when you go in and you have to deal with that situation? Maybe you're having challenges. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe your health isn't doing so good. Yeah, I know God did that for me then, but is He going to do that for me now? Is He going to watch over me and protect me? Jesus Himself goes before us, and His promises go with us. God has done a covenant ceremony with you and me, where He has made an agreement with us, which He has signed with His own blood. I will never leave you or forsake you. What confidence should the Israelites have lived with the next day as they approached Jericho. Pretty darn good confidence, huh? What confidence can we live with as we go into the uncertainty of life tomorrow? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously along with him give us everything? You and I have a hope, an anchor for our soul. But this Jesus who went before us down into the tomb, this Jesus who went out before us, out into life, will continue to lead us all the way through the difficulties and challenges of life to the end. And so we can have confidence in the present. We can stand upon a short platform. We can live risky and courageous lives because we know that if God is for us, who can be against us? Will we have challenges in our life? Yes. How will we meet them? strength of God. How do we live now? You know, we have challenges in this church. We're this little church on the move, aren't we? We're kind of like that space shuttle platform, an eighth of a mile an hour. Some of you have been with us for a while in the beginning. There were times when we would get together and this room was maybe half full of what we have right now. And we still have a long way to go. But God is building a platform for this church. God is using this church in your life and in my life. Can we take courage as a people that God has a plan for Redeemer Presbyterian? Absolutely. As much as you can take courage that God has a plan for your life and your marriage and your situation and your family. So let us live boldly. Let us live with courage. Let us not only look back, but let us look forward. Let us not only look down, but let us look up. We're going to be tempted. Scriptures tell us that no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. 
But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand under it. When you're tempted to forget about your faith, to just forget this whole thing, you know, church is Sunday, and when I go into the world, I've got to live the way I have to live, with my friends, with my boss, with my work. I'm going to go back to the same habits. I'm going to be the same person. You can have courage to stand on Christ. You can have courage to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We have the ability to live a fearless life because we fear Christ. The only way we can do that is we remember what Christ has done and what Christ is going to do. And so we will not forget what He has done because we will not forget what He will do. Christ is the foundation of our faith. He's the power for our present. And finally, He's the focus of our future. Joshua 4.23, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. We live today, and we live tomorrow. Tomorrow will most surely come, and we will have to walk in confidence then. We can take confidence in the fact that God, who said He would give us, I go to prepare a place for you so that you may be with me where I am. I will surely bring them to you myself. We want more than land, don't we? We're more than a peaceful house. We want more than food on the table. We want the presence and peace of God. We want to see a world where there will be no more hunger, or thirst, or crying, or pain. For behold, all things have passed away and I've made everything new. That's your heaven. If you're settling for anything on this earth, you're settling. We can focus on the future. We don't have to build a kingdom right here because we are on pilgrimage day by day. And so, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. This is what Paul said. I don't know if you can relate with it. I can now we know that if this earthly tent, this body we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent of our body, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be enclosed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so as mortal may be swallowed up in life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are ready from the Lord. So we live by faith and not by sight. Life's hard. Life's going to get harder. I don't know about the future of our country. I think we used to have a lot more confidence in it. If your confidence is in your country, I suggest you put it in someplace else. If your confidence is in your health, I suggest you put it in someplace else. If it's in your beauty, it's in your money, it's in your relationships, I suggest you put it in someplace else. Because all those things rise and fall. But there is one thing that stands forever. The goodness and the favor of the Lord. And He has promised that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can live the foundation of our life and the finished work of Christ. We can walk with power in the present and the promises of God. We can focus our future in the place that God has surely sworn by Himself that He will bring us. 
so we will not forget what he's done, because he will never, ever, ever forget what he's going to do for you and me and his people. Let's pray. Lord, we see the journey in this story, and we recognize that we are on a journey. But Lord, as we are Christians, if you are a believer, this journey is from death to life, from slavery to freedom, from pain to joy. Lord, help us to see the memorial, the cross, taken from the depths of the earth, in which he went ahead of us and brought us out. Help us to revel in your presence, for it's not just stones that you've given us, but your very presence. Help us to trust in your promises, which are sure, as sure as your character, Lord. Help us to live with power in the present and focus in the future as we walk through this journey, Lord. We love you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.